You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lou Need, and today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Ken, also known as Mr. Biz, his last name is Wentworth, and he is a business strategy who partners with um, business owners and show them how to run their companies more profitably and more efficiently, more effectively, just so they can achieve um, success beyond wildest dream. And as an entrepreneur, as you yourself as an entrepreneur listening, who in the world doesn't want that? So, you know, he has done this for so many different companies and he is the best at it. And so with no further ado, he has a book and everything that we're going to talk about too. It's like, don't fake the funk. And so with no further ado, uh, Mr. Biz, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Lanita. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, looking looking forward to talking about it. Let's start with um, Don't Fake the Funk. Let's start with your book. <laughs> Tell us about um, what brought it on because you've been doing this and helping business owners for so, so long. You've definitely seen some struggles with them. And that's where the, the book comes from. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So the book just kind of was, I wasn't even planning on writing this book. Um, it was interesting. I was mentoring some folks and was, uh, I had a particular person who was struggling, had been trying to reach a couple of goals for a few years and mm-hmm. had not made enough progress. And so I just started talking about sort of the process that I've used over the years to accomplish goals and didn't even, I hadn't ever formalized the, the approach, right? It just was in my head of how I've approached uh, different types of goals. And he was taking notes and we got done and he was like, man, this is really kind of just, you know, four steps. It's really just four steps. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's laid out. I can really do this. And I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, I didn't really think much of it. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm talking to another person I mentor, kind of had the same struggles, the same challenges. And so I kind of went through the same thing. I said, well, I actually just talked to someone about this. Is there how I would approach this? You could lay it out like this and do this and do this. And the same thing. He said, that's it's basically just four steps. He's like, I, mm. even I could do four steps and uh, you should really do, you know, I do speaking events and things. He said, you really should add this to the things you talk about. And uh, a couple of weeks, I mean, as happenstance would happen, a few weeks later, maybe a month later, I got contacted to come speak in an event and they had the list of uh, the normal topics that I cover. And it was for kind of at the end of the year, uh, it was a, an event in December it was kind of end of your holiday party. And they said, I said, instead of talking about business, no one wants to hear about business stuff at a, you know, kind of a holiday party, et cetera. I said, I have this new topic. I've never t- spoken about it publicly, but you know, I'll put something together if you'd be interested. And so I told him what it was about. He said, Oh my gosh, it'd be perfect. It's the end of the year. People are setting goals for the next year. You know, this would be kind of thing to help them jumpstart, et cetera. And so that's how it came about. And you know, the title, Don't Fake the Funk, I've been saying that. It's funny. And it just kind of stuck. I've been saying that since I was in college and it came from a, oddly enough, it came from a a rap song. (laughs) Shaquille O'Neal has a rap song and in the rap song, he says, don't fake the funk. And I, it just stuck with me. And so it's been all the way back from, gosh, I don't know, it was probably mid nineties or something. I've been saying it and using it yeah, and uh, it really stuck with people. And so I'm like, that's what this whole methodology about is about these four steps on how to achieve like massive goals. And so we did some testing, some market testing on it, and people just 
really were drawn to that title and it's something that's unique, right? Who the heck else says stuff like that, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it. the title is is catchy. I concur. Uh, uh, it really is. And a lot of things that you're you're teaching, you're speaking from experience. Things that you've learned and then tested and failed at before putting it in the novel. So tell us about your experience before starting. It. Uh, you mean before the book, or yeah, like what you did before. Yeah, coming up through the years, it's just, I kind of, again, informally created this process of how to achieve goals. And I just, you know, refined the process over the years. And, you know, I used to uh, be a, a competitive powerlifter and was, you know, working on goals there and, how, you know, how to achieve those big goals. And, you know, I ended up setting some world records and things like that. And so using sort of this approach that I've refined over the years again, just kind of unknowingly, just like, how do I approach problems and how do I, you know, achieve goals? And, um, you know, it just worked and I got kind of the formula down, not that I was even formally trying to do it, as I mentioned, but got the formula kind of down and just, I apply to everything I do now. Um, every goal I try to achieve, whether it's a, a personal goal, a business goal, a relationship goal. I mean, it just applies across so many things and it's, it's four steps. It's not anything major, you know, you don't need to spend a bunch of money to 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 apply these steps uh, and things like that. So it's just, you know, it's it's really worked. And again, I I would have never even thought about it because it just sort of became sort of my normal approach on things um, until you know these two mentees individually and themselves said, "What the heck? This is pretty simple. Like I can even do this. I can methodically work down through this process and achieve big goals." So that's kind of how it came to fruition. And it's you know over many years and. Goals in the powerlifting world, goals in the business world, goals in my personal life, et cetera, has been applicable across those. And so uh, I gave that first talk on it and it went really, really well. And I had people come up to me afterwards and they said, please tell me you have a book that outlines this. And I said, well, I don't, <laughs> but maybe I should write one. And that's when I, I said, okay, I got to put this down on paper and then write the book. And um, the, the response has been uh, humbling, uh, to, to say the least. That's fantastic. I love it when it's when it transcends. It can be applicable across the fields from what you learn from bodybuilding over to um to now businesses and helping other businesses. You know, I, I do have to ask you, you guys give us a synapse of some sort, uh, maybe one of the four uh, methodology methods that would be insightful. Yeah, I can I can actually run it down pretty quick, uh, Dr. Lanita. It's um yeah. everyone's gotta have an acronym, right? So the four mm -hmm. steps are SMAC, S M A C. Uh, the first one is, and they, you apply them in order. So the first one is super important, right? Mindset. You got to have the right mindset. And so the S is start with yes. When someone comes to you with an idea or a goal, don't say, don't start. We naturally start thinking about, oh my gosh, that's a huge goal. Like there's no way. Start with yes. How can we do this? How can we make this happen? So starting with yes is the first, is the S and the first of the four, four steps. M is modeling expert behavior. So more than likely, whatever goal you have, someone has probably been there, done that. So mm -hmm. you don't need to recreate the wheel. You find someone and model some of the steps that they've taken to accomplish what they've done. You may have to tweak them a little bit. It might not be exactly what you want, but modeling expert behavior is so makes it so much easier. It smooths the path, right? You learn from people who've already been there, done that, as I mentioned. So that's the M. The A uh, deals with accountability. So creating a sphere of accountability around you. Very, very important. You know, some people say, oh, make your goals and keep them quiet and just do your thing. And I don't subscribe to that theory. 
I want to make myself accountable and I want people to know because I want people to ask me, hey, Ken, you had that goal. How's that going? Because that is going to drive me towards that goal because I don't want to have the awkward conversation. Dr. Lanid, if I told you I wanted to do something and I see you three months from now and you go, hey, Ken, by the way, how's that going? It's not going well, right? I don't want to have a conversation. So it helps drive you towards your goal. So that's the A. The C is what I call consistent perseverance. So if you want to achieve big goals, you're going to need to have consistent perseverance. You're probably not going to be successful right out of the gate, right? Especially if it's a big, massive goal. It's going to take consistent perseverance. I can't remember who said it, but you know, some people say, you know, that whole proverbial getting knocked down seven times and you get up eight. That's dealing with consistent perseverance. Um, the baseball star uh passed away now, but Babe Ruth, he used to say it's impossible to beat someone who never gives up. And that's what consistent perseverance is all about. You're going to have bumps in the road. It's going to take you, you know, you're going to have to have that consistent perseverance. You're going to get knocked down. It's just part of the journey. You got to pick yourself back up. And so that's that's the SMAC. Those are the four steps to apply that are outlined in the book and, and a lot of different anecdotes and, and stories behind it. And some of them pretty funny, I think, at least. And I've gotten feedback from people are like, oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. I love what you said about this and et cetera. So and apply to different things, not just on the athletic side of things, but in business, personal relationships, life, et cetera. Yeah, the titles keep getting better, right? I, when you said the word smack, I was like, oh man, play on words, keep getting better and better. Um, I do like that. Uh, um, you are absolutely right. The, the one that you that stood out, one is the accountability, accountability to yourself, uh, having people around your circle that can hold you accountable to certain goals, because we need that. We need that that motivation, that step forward. Yeah, I mean, real quick, I'll just mention. So I, you know, when I talk about this, when I give like keynotes on the smack, et cetera, is, you know, it's interesting. You think about it. You know, I always ask when I speak, I said, okay, anyone out there that likes to disappoint people, please raise your hand. Well, of course, no one raises their hand. And that's what creating that sphere of accountability is, is that once people know what your goals are, you might run into them and they may ask you about the goal and you know that now. And so now you, oh my gosh, I I don't want to have that awkward conversation of, I told Dr. Lanid I was going to do X, Y, and Z. Gosh, the next time I run into her, she may ask me about it and I'm going to be really embarrassed because I didn't do it. So it helps you keep keep you accountable without giving someone homework, right? So some people create accountability by saying, like, for example, I could say, Dr. Lanid, I've got this goal. Can you check in on me once a week or once a month? Or can we have phone conversations and you ask me, you know, that's giving someone homework and no one likes homework. And this way, you know, I, I there's a bunch of different ways that I create that accountability, that sphere of accountability without giving people homework. But I know that they may ask me about it in the future, and I don't want to have that awkward conversation. I want to be able to tell them the progress that I'm making, et cetera. So I think kind of a unique way, because again, accountability is one thing, but when you do it by giving people homework, it doesn't always work. (laughs) And it's kind of burdensome for them, right? And so that's why the approach that I've taken over the years is sort of creating that sphere without giving them homework per se. Absolutely. I, I do hear that. Making it easy for the individual to hold you accountable. And Napoleon Hill says it too. I'm a big fan of him. Where one or two are gathered, minds are gathered, the third one is created. You know, just being able to, um, when you have somebody and you have something you're working on, someone's holding you accountable, but you can also get ideas, bounce ideas off of each other to get you further along that goal. It's amazing when what happened when you start listening, you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. And then you go, you move in that direction and you get accelerated success. And I think that's what you see happens a lot of time with you coaching. Um, you know, people come to you for your over 30 years of experience, something that they can learn from you 
well, within two months, it doesn't have to fit in 30 years, right? Because you provide that knowledge. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, not only from my perspective, but, you know, that's part of the smack, right? The M is modeling expert behavior. You know, you, when you're trying to forge ahead and, and you've got some massive goal that you're trying to achieve, probably someone has done, done it or done something similar to it in the past. Why not accelerate your path to success by following? Okay. Even if, you know, when I was in uh, the powerlifting world and was trying to set, you know, trying to break world records, I was trying to go beyond what anyone had ever done before, but why not follow the path that others had done to get to that point, right? Accelerate my path and have less trials and tribulations and bumps in the roads, as they say, along the way, accelerate my path to get to there. And then I can push it even further to, you know, to go further beyond that. And it it applies to everything. You know, you could do that in, in any goal you have of modeling expert behavior to do that, to replicate something, to accelerate your path to success. It's powerful, honestly, it, the, the way that it works. And I think that's the fastest way to get a mentor as well is to approach someone um, like Mr. Biz. If I wanted to come up to him and be like, you know, I have this product, I have this business that I want to run. What do you think is the best strategy? And then you willingly shares one or two steps like you did here with the book. Guess what? It's automatic that you, you that's the fastest way to get a mentor because you're going to follow up, right? You're going to see me again or three months down the line and says, hey, did you apply those strategies? What did you do? I just developed the mentorship relationship without even like verbally. Exactly. You know, that's what I mean is you're creating that sphere of accountability in that example without giving someone homework, right? You know, if you and I discuss the goal you have and you know that you're, you're going to bump into me or see me down the road, it just automatically creates that. No one has to really take action. You just know that the next time, you know, you, you see me that, or I see you, I may have asked you about it and you don't want to feel bad about it or whatever. And I've got a whole bunch of different examples in the book of how to do that without, again, physically saying, Dr. Lanib, when the next time you see me, can you make sure you ask me about this goal I have, right? That's giving homework. A lot of different verbal cues, visual cues, things like that you can do that people makes people curious, makes them ask about it. I'm not makes them, but, you know, prompts them to say, gosh, what is that? And so it's, oh gosh, it's just super powerful and it works at least, at least for me over the years. And, and since I've uh, sent the book out and the overwhelming feedback we've got, people are like, oh my gosh, this is like in the essence of it, it's so simple, but it's so effective because it's, it's easy to implement, but it's super effective. So. Yeah, absolutely. So is it fair to say it, Mr. Biz, that we, that's how you help business owners be more profitable and more efficiently is by these four methods, essentially what your book is about. Yeah. And in, in essence, right. A lot of it is we are establishing some of their, what they need to do. So, I, you know, from the financial side of things, when I work with business owners is I focus on, I call them the three pillars of financial success, cash flow. You got to get your cash flow right first. If you don't yeah. have cash, you don't have a business, right. Critically important. Yeah. Uh, budgeting. Or as I like to jokingly say, the B word, not that B word, but you know, a lot of people yeah. think of budget. You know, even Mrs. Biz, she doesn't like the word budget either. So uh, <laughs> most people don't. But a budget is so so effective and critically important, and that's why I consider it one of my three pillars of financial success. And then the last one is pricing. Is almost every business, Doctor Lenita, I've ever worked with has a product or service that they offer that unknowingly is actually losing them money every time they sell it. Silly example, let's say you have a product and you sell it for $20, but it actually costs you $25 to produce it. Every one of those you sell, you're actually losing money. And by the way, if you have it priced ineffectively in that that scenario, uh, you're probably selling a lot of them 
right? Because you're probably priced under your competition. And so you probably sell a lot of them. And so it creates this weird situation financially in your business to where you're selling a whole bunch of this, this product or service, whatever it may be. And so your revenue is going up, right? You're like, oh my gosh, sales are great. But your bottom line, the more of this you sell, the worse it gets. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm bringing money in the door. I have revenue. Why am I losing money? The higher my revenue gets, the lower I, I lose more and more money. It just doesn't make sense. So, you know, that's an interesting aspect to it. And I call that the silent business killer, right? It's one of those things that you don't yeah. realize that you're doing because you, no one would willingly do that, right? But those things, being able to peel the onion back and determine, you know, the actual profitability of each one of your products or services, critically important. And that's why it's, uh, you know, one of my financial, the three uh, pillars of my financial financial success of the business. And when I start with business, we start with those three things to make sure we get those right. Once we get those right, we can start enhancing other things. But those are those are the pillars. The foundation and you build on that. And you're right. The budget, the finance piece of it, that's where you start because you don't have business. You don't have cash flow for sure. Right. So that's the starting point for helping businesses be more profitable and efficient. I like that. And then I know you you just spent a, a little bit on the pricing piece of it. It's very important. And you kind of have mastered this. How to price for maximum profit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us how to do so. I'll tell you, Dr. Lenny, the biggest thing I see that business can do, forget about even just for a second of just increasing prices or increasing your margins or things like that. It's really just eliminating this, what I referred to earlier, the silent business killer. Because again, almost every business that I've ever worked with over all these years has at least one of these things. And again, as I mentioned before, if it's priced like that, it's you know, it's inexpensive compared to competitors, you probably sell a lot of it, whether it's a product or service, which again, every time you sell it, it just is digging a deeper and deeper hole. So right off the bat, if you just eliminate that, you could have lower revenue and make more money. Most people are like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's very counterintuitive to most folks. But, you know, if you're losing $20 every time you sell a widget and you stop selling that widget, you're not losing $20 every time you sell it, right? Um, and sometimes in that scenario, how to do that is, you know, really taking a look at those products. And maybe it's a product or service that you just can't offer for whatever reason, economies of scale or whatever it may be at an effective price. Or you just, you say, gosh, based on the business I have, I have to offer this, but I'm going to offer it at a very high price that makes it effective for me. And if people don't want to buy it, that's okay, but at least I'm still offering it. But the pricing piece of it is critically important. You could have the best product, the best service in the world, you know, all that good stuff. If you're not priced effectively and you don't have that nailed down, you'll go out of business because you'll have cash flow issues, which will just lead you down that that dark deep hole of, you know, losing money and and having to borrow money and then not never being able to dig out of that. The pricing piece of it, I think, not that people overlook it, but I feel like a lot of business owners, especially when they're first starting out, they base their pricing on a back of the envelope calculation and or they go, well, what are my competitors charging? And you don't know what their situation is and what their cost basis are and et cetera, et cetera. Again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but you know, I think that's a critical piece that, well, it is a critical piece because if you don't have anything priced right, you're going to have, you won't hit your budget and you won't, you'll have cash flow issues. So it'll crush the other two pillars of financial success uh, as well. But that's one of the things I see, like I said, that silent business killer that Almost every business I've ever worked with has it. And I call it the silent business killer again, because of course, 
you wouldn't knowingly have a product or service that, that loses you money, right? You wouldn't purposely do that, but that's how critically important it is to really peel back the onion and make sure that you are making money on each and every one of your products and not just making money, but at the proper margins you should be making based on your industry and things like that. So there's a need to increase the profit margin and start selling premium, right? You're absolutely right. When we start, we do not um, start off with premium because we're, we don't have the confidence that people will buy it, pay for it. And so there's a lot of work that has to be done initially to get to that premium pricing. And so you're saying um, if you price it right, it will sell. If you know you have the messages, the branding, you have everything aligning around it perfectly, it will. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big part that leads to what you just mentioned, Dr. Lanit, is, is that folks get imposter syndrome. Right. They say, especially if you're doing consulting or anything like that, you go, oh, you know, people wouldn't pay that much for me to help them. Look, I'm not saying to be arrogant or anything like that, but you really have to do a very good self-assessment, especially when you're selling something like your own advice, your own consultative time is what is it really worth? And, And don't be afraid of that. What I've seen more often than not, that people don't charge enough for that type of thing. They have a ton of expertise. And they just think, oh my gosh, people would never pay that for it. And it's like, you know, you got to take a step back and think, what is the true value you're bringing to that business or that person, right? If it's, you could be a mental health therapist, coach. I mean, what is that worth to somebody to get out of a funk that they're in, to to help them get out of depression, to help them be more confident, build their self-esteem? What is that worth to a person? Holy heck, if you're really good at that, my gosh, people would pay almost anything that they could afford to do that because that impacts all aspects of your life. In this example is of your personal relationships, of your business relationships, your career, your relationship and in, in with your children or, or you know, relatives, et cetera. I mean, just critically important. So I think a lot of times people get that imposter syndrome of, oh, I'm not worth that or people would never pay that. You know, and I'm not saying everyone is. Uh, that's that's another thing. Maybe you're too far the other way, right? Some people. But for the most part, man, if you've got the experience and you really know what you're doing, I mean, the value you can bring to a business or a person, as it may be, as a therapist, coach, et cetera, gosh, it could be just unmeasurable almost. Yeah. How do you get them there? Because, you know, the, the whole imposter syndrome thing is real. But um, how do you logically, how do you present it to actually get them over that that hunch, uh, that benchmark so they can actually start seeing themselves in that light and start selling? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've seen that's been powerful is when I encourage people to get testimonials from their clients or customers, and then they see some of the things that their customers say about them. Oh my gosh, Dr. Lanita, I worked with her and she helped me do X, Y, and Z. And you go, oh my gosh. I mean, I knew that it was a positive experience, but I didn't realize it was that earth shattering for that particular person or someone works with me and they go, you know, my business was uh, 90 days away from closing and I was going to file bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy. And, you know, my, my marriage was on the fritz because I was so wrapped up in the business that wasn't working. And and all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Biz helped me and now my business turned around and now I have profitability and now I have, I'm making money. And sometimes you don't realize those until you actually hear the person say that. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people don't offer those things up, especially if it's something personal, like I had mentioned. But man, getting testimonials, a lot of times, first of all, you should be doing that for your business anyway. Mm-hmm. But second of all, sometimes when you do that, it really can provide that spark to give you that additional confidence to say, gosh, I really am making a difference for people. 
Yeah, well put, uh, Mr. Biz. I really do like that. Now let's let's get into some of the um, the habits and principles that you have practiced and put in place so that you can show up for the business owners that you work with. So you can show up for Mrs. Biz so that you can be your, your optimum. Because I think the morning routine is in place so we can show up better. So let's talk about how you get up, dress up, and show up. Well, it's interesting. I'm glad you asked that, Dr. Lenny, because... I have been throughout pretty much my, as long as I can remember, I've always been a night owl. So my morning routine has not been the best. But as I've gotten older and as I left the corporate world and started my own business and businesses, I started to realize how critically important that is. And it's funny, uh, Mrs. Biz used to bust my chops about this. She said, you have so much discipline, right? You can do this, you can do that, you can do, but you're not disciplined enough to get your butt in bed at a decent time at night. And it's not because I'm out, you know, partying it up or it's because I being a night owl, I stay once I get working and I'm not missing family time, everything, everyone's in bed and I'm in my home office and I'm working away and I just get rolling. And it just, you know, it's not that I'm out doing crazy stuff or partying or whatever. It's just, man, because I, I, I love what I do. It's not work for me. And so having the discipline to do that, because then that affects, of course, your morning routine, right? If you stay up super late and you're groggy in the morning. But the morning routine for me, and I'll admit, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm, I'm continuing to work on it, is critically important. One of the things that I've found is moving your body in some way yeah. in the morning. And it doesn't mean you got to go lift weights for an hour. It doesn't mean you got to run on the treadmill for an hour. You got to move your body in some way. I don't, whatever makes sense for you and whatever you're physically capable of doing and time wise, yeah. even if you do it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk, take your kids for a walk. Just moving your body in one of the first things you do for me, moving your body. And I tell you, when, when I tell people this and they actually implement this and they go, oh, okay, I'll try it for a few days. All of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, like I had more energy. doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, I got up and I'm yeah. spending energy, but I have more energy because yep. you're getting your body moving. And the days that I don't do that, for example, if I have to get up and catch a super early flight somewhere, if I got to get up at 4 a.m. for a flight, I'm not going to get up probably at 3 a.m. to go, you know, jog or do this or that. Those days, I notice it. I yeah. notice it because it's just getting your body moving in some way, whatever makes sense for you, whatever you're comfortable with, I think is critically, critically important. It elevates your, your mood as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, first, moving in, a, getting rid of the cobwebs from sleeping and laying down for six to eight hours. It, it's imperative. I agree. One of the things, too, I think that's critically important, it's kind of tied into that a little bit is when your alarm goes off, get out of bed. <laughs> Don't dilly-dally in bed and pick up your phone and start, oh, let me look what's on here. Let me check my email or Facebook. Get out of bed. Physically, just get out of bed. You can get out of bed, go downstairs and sit in your office or sit wherever and check your email, but get out of bed. Because I think mentally, at least for me and for other folks I've talked with about this, you know, the bed is a restful place. And so when you do that and you're laying in bed, well, I'm awake. But and I'm doing you know productive things. I'm checking my email or I'm responding to emails. It's still not officially like getting you up and moving. And so just get out of bed. Check your emails. Get out of bed. Go downstairs. Do whatever. And check your emails. Then you know just get the actual act of getting out of bed and not laying prone, which is a relaxing. Get up and get moving because that's another thing that's been critical for me. Uh, one other thing I'll mention, which. A lot of people don't like, and I don't particularly like it in the, while it's going on, but I do enjoy it, the effects of it after, is some form of cold therapy, whether yeah. it's a cold bath, it's a cold shower, 
uh, whatever, it's miserable while you're doing it. At least it is for me. But boy, I'll tell you, every single time I feel better afterwards. And there's a whole bunch of studies that have been done, mm -hmm. the impacts it has on you, positive, very positive impacts it yeah. has on you. But if, for whatever reason, especially in the morning, you know, first of all, it's going to wake you up because you're going to be like, holy crap, this is really cold, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, even beyond the, all the physiological aspects of it that really get you going. And, you know, the mornings, again, if I wake up and I'm running to the airport or whatever, and I don't have a chance to take a cold shower or even people say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to stand in the shower for 10 minutes on super cold water. Fine. Don't do that. And I'm not going to lay in uh, cold water in a tub or whatever. Okay. At least when you're done with your shower, this is how I started it. Cause I, I picked up this habit of several years ago. When I'm done with my shower, I will, as I'm getting almost done, I'll start to gradually turn the water down colder, 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 colder. Sometimes I'll just crank it all the way down cold and just stand there, just yep. stand and Count it down. Do it for 20 seconds the first time. Do it for right, 30 seconds. Yeah. Build it up. Even just doing that, I tell you, I'm telling you, it will have a positive impact. It, it just, all the different things, and I, I'm not a scientist, but I know a lot of the studies I've read about it, all the positive aspects it has on you, your mindset. And the other thing is, completely aside from that, Dr. Lanid, is, you know, I think building discipline is doing things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them. And who wants to stand in a cold shower? Who wants to get in a cold bath, Right. That's discipline. And for whatever reason, I think that's an aspect to it because when you get done, you're like, you know what? I just did something I don't want to do. And unfortunately in life, we yeah. always have to, you know, at times do things that we don't necessarily want to do. I don't like doing laundry. Got to do it. Right. And so when you have, you buckle down and you accomplish something that you don't really like doing, it, it gives you an extra feeling of accomplishment of, man, I, I, I was disciplined enough. I, and I kept a promise to myself that I was going to take a cold shower or whatever it might be. That's another thing that I think it, it helps me a lot. Yeah, it does transcend. That's you're absolutely right. And I've read studies on it. I've spoken to over 3000 entrepreneurs that they speak the same language. It's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. You know, you're uncomfortable for that moment, for that 30 second. But guess what? You're going to be uncomfortable in business. You're going to be uncomfortable with um, difficult clients. You're going to be uncomfortable with marital issues, the lack of communication, you name it. But because you've learned how to do it first thing in the morning for 30 seconds, you can actually be comfortable with having those having those tough conversations with dealing with that difficult client. Yeah. And I think that's, it sounds kind of odd to say it. I know you, other people say it as well, but that getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I just, we just recently did this. So I decided I'm a part of a group that I'm in. They were having a, a, a race, various uh, lengths of a race. I haven't run in 20 years. And this was in the middle of December. The race was just a couple of weeks ago. It was, the race was seven weeks away and I haven't run any distance for 20 years. And I, I got my oldest daughter and I said, Hey, do you want to do this with me? Will you commit to do this event with me? We're going to run it. We're going to run a relay half marathon. And she said, okay, I'll do it, dad, but you don't run. Cause she, you know, she's 22 years old. She, you know, it's been 20 years since I ran. She doesn't remember me being, you know, running at all. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll figure it out. And so I had seven weeks to do it. And during the process, Dr. Lanid, when I had to go, I made a schedule and all that stuff, very disciplined and gosh, I got to go out and run five miles today. I got to go out and seven miles today. I did not like it at all. But every time when I got done running, I always felt great. I always yeah. did. Even if my knees were aching or this or that, because I did, I kept the promise to myself. 
and then actually doing the race and then getting through the race and, and you know the experience of that it's keeping those promises to yourself helps build self-esteem first of all but you know again be, getting comfortable being uncomfortable that's building discipline for me to do things in business or other you know relationships or whatever that I'm not comfortable with getting more repetitions in that space so you're more comfortable taking on those challenges when they're presented to you well put well put, Mr. Biz. Uh, tell us, where can we find your book? Where can we connect with you? Yeah, you can You can go to mrbiz.com. Uh, is the easiest way. You can find all, all sorts of stuff there. Anywhere on social media, we're all over uh, social media, Mr. Biz, uh, if you search me out. But it's, I'm actually the the Mr. Biz. It's trademarked and all that good stuff. So <laughs> nice. uh, if, you, if you go look for me, you'll find me out there. YouTube channel, all kinds of stuff. If you go to mrbiz.com, you'll find all sorts of different things. And uh, you know, we've got Mr. Biz Radio we do as well that's been really successful and popular that, uh, you know, we release one show a week and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, MrBiz.com is the easiest way to find me. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Mr. Biz. It's been such a joy. Um, I love your input on the cold shower and getting uncomfortable, being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like, that really resonates um, because you set yourself up for success. Congratulations in completing that run. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for taking the time. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on, Dr. Lindy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Perfect. Well, all right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.